Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. Why don't you open your Bibles? Thank you, guys. It's beautiful. We're going to... So one of the things that uh, one of the things I feel like I've been learning as uh, I get to know so many people and minister to lots of different people is what I see in my earthly father um, really influences my perception of my heavenly father. So you hear someone say like, you know, the way that the Bible presents it. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This idea of God as Father. When I hear that, what I experienced from the dad that I had and what was good or not so good about him really affects the way that I hear that sentence, right? And so I don't know what you were raised with. You know, you may have been raised with a great family. You may have been raised with something so dysfunctional that you kind of like took your cues from what family is supposed to be from watching TV. I don't know. Like maybe these were what you thought of as dads uh, when you, and you know, those have aged in various capacities kind of well and not so well, but maybe you're like, I don't, my family was so messed up that I like just assumed like, you know, it was like Danny Tanner or whatever. That was like what it was supposed to be like. And it influences the way that I kind of perceive my heavenly father. And the reason why this matters is it gives a different shade to answer this question that I've been teaching about all summer long so far, which is this question, why are so many people who've spent decades in Bible studies unloving and unkind? That I've been trying to like get my head wrapped around, and it, it has to do with this question actually, because, um, well, let me start here. Am I off topic? Have you noticed that? That there's a lot of people who've been around church for a long time that like can be some of the nastiest people you ever get around? Can I get a hand, anybody? Can I get a witness on that? Yeah, see, the first service people actually said, you guys are mostly like that. that was, I thought it was kind of nasty on their part, but they were like, oh. So, uh. And it's because a lot of people have filled their minds with things and have practiced carving their will, but have never dealt with the pain from the past, the difficulty from the past, the to use the word that a lot of people use now, the trauma, whatever, they've never dealt with the emotional components of life so far. And so when you build your mind and your will at the expense of your emotions, you end up producing an externally impressive weakling. A person who is developed in mind and developed in will but not developed emotionally, they look like they've got their act together. They, they march into church. They got one of those big, thick Bibles, you know. They're, they're on time. They have, like, maybe they got their check, you know, like in the envelope, like sticking out of the Bible so that people can see on the way in that they're, like, really, you know, whatever. They volunteer. They got all the stuff kind of situated and settled. But they, when, or me throw it a week. This is, I think, what Paul is getting at. I, we've been talking about this verse. When he says in Galatians 5, but I say, 
What's going on? Are we turning, the, are we turning these things on or off? It's getting creepy. We turn the fans on, then we turn them off. I'm good with whatever. I'll be fine. I just want to say, they started like they were going so fast, I was worried they were going to like whip off. You ever had that? Has anyone ever had that fear? Like the thing's going so fast, you're like, what? It's gonna, can't really afford to give away an arm, you know? I, Paul says this. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, pause. So what's he saying? He's saying, all that nasty stuff that you're trying to carve out of your life, the way to carve it out of your life is to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, we've talked about how to walk is the idea of growing in godliness in a gradual way so that it becomes intuitive to you as it does to take another step, another step, another step, another step. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are, do you see it? Opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. This is the maddening truth of following Jesus as you grow older is that it is really hard to not just stay the same person because your flesh is trying to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so Paul says, just a couple verses later, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is what we insert. The fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Uh, against these things... There's no law. Today we're going to talk about kindness and goodness. And I've learned as I've studied this week that kindness and goodness go together. You can't separate them. Kindness is the external. Goodness is the internal. Let me explain it, and then I want to teach you a little bit about it. Kindness is an inclination towards acts. It is an active expression of love towards others. It's showing tender concern. It's truly caring. It includes being forgiving and readily doing good to help others. That's kindness. Goodness refers to a general disposition internally. This is the integrity, character, and moral quality of a person. Kindness is the outworking of the goodness inside of you. Do you see it? Goodness is the internal motivation for kindness. They go together. So originally I had these mapped out with fruits. It was a, I had a peach for kindness and a cherry for goodness. That doesn't really work anymore. Uh, I wish I could have made it lemon and lime because those go together. See, yeah, yeah. There's some things that just go together, right? Do you have that? Are, I don't know how you eat. Are you one of those people that eats with each like, thing a little separated into its corner? Are you one of those people that likes kind of putting all the things together? Who's like a put all the things together person? Or some of the things together? Okay, yeah, so the good, right, the right answer. And then who's more like a keep it all, you know, I like those plates where it kind of has it like all boxed out. Yeah, okay, cool. Some things just go together. Kindness and goodness is like lemon and lime. It's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like bacon and eggs. It, like, it, goes, it goes together. It's uh, kindness is the external action of goodness. Goodness is the internal motivation of kindness. And what I'm aiming to teach you today is that when we cultivate these things, it helps us get unstuck in all kinds of other things that we don't even, wouldn't even think it has anything to do with it. So what we've been learning is I can try to solve my lust, jealousy, uh, materialism issue by just looking at it and trying to force myself to stop, but that's going to be short-lived and it's going to fail. The way to get unstuck or to stop doing the things I don't want to do or however we would choose to say it is to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit inside of me 
and it changes me as I walk so that all of a sudden I realize I have become a different person. This is what we're talking about. Kindness is the external action of goodness. Put that up again. Goodness is the internal motivation of kindness. So if I'm being honest, as I was um, thinking and I got to right here and I was studying, uh, kindness and goodness, it feels a little like Mr. Rogers-ish, a little weak or maybe naive or maybe, if I dare say, like a little feminine even. Like kindness and goodness feels kind of, is this really like what we want? This is what God wants for everybody? Just sort of like doing whatever, being just all sweet all the time? This verse stuck out to me as I was studying that. This is from Romans chapter 2. This is what Paul says. He says, now, do you suppose, O oh man, that you can practice such things, speaking of sin, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? So he starts by saying, now, you know that you can't outrun God's judgment, right? Like you can show up late for church and come right down to the front row, but everybody is going to know that you did. God is going to find out. God is, you're not going to escape. So it may look like sometimes on earth that the people doing the wrong thing got away with it. It may look like that for a little while, but God sees and God knows and that bill is always coming due. He says, now do you presume on the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience? Here it is. So he's saying, do, do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Interesting. Okay, so what does that mean? God's kindness is supposed to lead me towards repentance. So, uh, do you ever have, did you ever have like a really bad, have you ever had a really bad job with a really bad boss? You ever had like a really bad job with a really bad boss? My oldest just started caddying uh, at, a, at this golf course and we're learning, like he got his first paycheck, you know, and he saw like what the government takes out and, and like all these things, it's all these great first experiences, but you learn pretty quick that the job is often defined by the boss. And you got bosses that kind of roll like a lot of different ways. There's the boss who tries to control every little part of every little thing and it's really like brutal and intense and harsh all the time. You got the boss who kind of like just wants to do their thing and doesn't pay attention to the employees unless like the big boss, big boss somewhere shows up and then all of a sudden they swoop in. You've got people who really take care of their employees, people who don't, all these different things. God, in his role as king of the universe, could have forced us to do what he wants, right? He could have made us like robots who had no choice but to obey him, but he didn't. God could have given us like one shot. You get one chance, and then on the second time you mess this thing up, boom, you're out. So would have made the churches pretty small because we'd all be dead or whatever. Uh, God could have operated in any way that he chose towards us. But this verse that I just read to you says that you know how he chose to operate towards us? The thing that he uses to draw us is not force, it's not guilt, it's not manipulation, it's not facts, it's kindness. His love towards us is the thing that he uses to draw us. Let me say it this way. Goodness is God's disposition toward me. And kindness is God's action 
towards me. So we're going to come for what this means for our relationships, but uh, this is why uh, we're going to take communion together in just a second right here in the service. So if you got it, grab it into your hands. If you don't, just wave your arm. I'm sure there's an usher somewhere that would love to help you out. Oh, and she just materialized magically. What a well-run church this is. Look at that. Way to go, Gina. Bunch of folks up here by the front. This means you're either really early or really late, I think, um, which is great. So what does it mean that God's goodness, his disposition towards me is goodness, and his action towards me is kindness? It means that the relationship that God chooses to have with me is not overly affected by how things are going right now or today. Let me show you what I mean. Reed, come here, bud. You seem to have lots of energy here in the second row, so let me... Put it to good use. Come on, come on. I know, I know. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. All right, this is my beloved second son. Uh, so here's, you're doing great. You're not in trouble. I wouldn't, and if you were, we wouldn't be talking about it here. So you're good. So here's the thing, here's the thing. We are used to relationships where the disposition and the action is based on performance aren't we? We're used to relationships where when my sales numbers go up, the boss is happy. When my sales numbers go down, the boss is angry. We're used to relationships where when I bring home the paycheck she wants, she's happy. When I kiss him, whatever, like we're used to when I get what I want, I'm happy. When I don't, I'm not. That's what we're used to. The problem is that's not the way that God is towards you and me. So uh, you and me, bud, we have a lot of good times together. A lot of a lot of ups and downs. You know, you, you play sports. You're a great person to snuggle with because, like, it's always easy to fit you and whoever else on the couch. And even in a relationship as beautiful and sacred as a parent to a child, there is still those moments where kid is annoyed at dad because dad got mad at somebody in traffic on the way to basketball practice, whatever day that was this week that that happened, or... <laughs> Or we're mean to somebody at school, or we don't get what we want in our park card, or whatever. And even in a parent and child relationship, there's those moments where we lean away from the person, where we lean away, isn't there? Even in those. Okay, you're good. But think for one second that God never operates towards you and me that way. On your worst day, his disposition towards you is goodness. His action towards you is kindness. On the day your biggest mess up, your grandest failure, your most foolish choice, your biggest blow up, God is still, and that is most perfectly shown in the cross of Jesus Christ. When, this is what we're going to celebrate in a moment. Jesus gave his life. Did he give his life because we deserved it? Did he give his life because we earned it? Did he give his life because we would promise to be good little boys and girls from here on forward and never mess things up? No, none of that. Yet, he gave us his goodness and kindness anyway. Which is why, if you're a believer in Jesus today, I want to invite you to take the body of Jesus broken and uh, the blood of Jesus broken. And if you got confused and did it early, it's okay too. That's the body of Jesus broken for you and the blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins.
So if, here I was building to this question, if God's kindness is his primary strategy of persuasion, what should mine be? So if God decide, if God decided that the way I am going to draw people to myself is through overflowing and unending love and giving, why do we think that we can control our children, control our employees, control our culture, force whatever the way that we want? Kindness is more powerful, ultimately, than anything else in the world. This is what uh, Paul meant in Romans 15 when he says, I myself, I'm satisfied about you, that you're full of goodness and filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Put that verse back for just a second. What he's saying is, there's nothing that you don't know that you need to know to live a life of goodness and kindness. It's already been given to you. We uh, laugh, you know, you guys know this, we talk, I talk about it a lot, I t my boys play sports, and it always makes me laugh when there's a coach who gets angry that a kid won't do something that the coach has never taught the kid how to do. And it doesn't matter how many times he yells or like how frustrated he gets, until there's instruction, there is not gonna be action. What he's saying here in this verse is, do you see it? Paul's saying, I already know this about you. Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're full of goodness. You have everything that you need. You just need to practice it. You have all the knowledge. You're able to even enough that you can tell other people. It's not a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of practice. Goodness and kindness. I think that um, I talked about it a little bit a minute ago, but there's a, an element of gender that comes into this discussion. Because depending on you know, how old you are and depending on how you were raised, some people were raised with like a, the idea of a classic masculinity, you know? A masculinity where the role of the man is to be strong and aggressive and non-emotional. And then like a, a version of femininity where the woman was supposed to be soft and compliant and nurturing and do whatever the man said, you know? That was what a lot of people were raised with. And the problem is that if I can, both of those visions of masculinity and femininity fall short in completely living out goodness and kindness. Uh, the simpler one is to see the masculine. If you were raised in that way, it's real simple. You just got to know this. Part of cultivating kindness is noticing and tending to the emotional needs of others. So lots of people had the experience of, my dad, there was food in the fridge, and he thought that was enough. What do you mean, do I love you? What, I gotta tell you? What about that paycheck I put? A lot of people were raised like that. And thankful for all the men who do those steps, it's just that you're not weak or naive or inadequate in caring for the emotional needs of the people that care about you. That's part of biblical, strong, kind masculinity is noticing and tending to the emotional needs of other people. Now on the flip side, that classical femininity often morphs into an empty politeness. This is especially true if you ever spent any time in the South. Some of you knuckleheads in the front row here. That's like, you know, the thing where it's like, you know, the person says, bless your heart, but like what that really means is like, I hate you and I hope you die or whatever, you know, like whatever that like thing is, if you've ever been around that. And church can have some of that with it too. 
Empty politeness is not kindness. Sometimes the kindest thing, well, uh, you might have seen for the dads, we have some, they grilled up a bunch of food, please get some on the way out or it'll end up like, I'm sure being eaten by me, so please. Uh, but is it kind to let a little child run towards the grill when it's hot and put their hand on it? Of course not. But some way in which women were taught to act was politeness above all other things. Classic femininity can cultivate kindness in avoiding empty politeness, just genuinely serve other people. Maybe that's how you were raised. Now, a lot of younger people are in the room too, and we weren't raised with this at all. We were raised in this weird world where like, these things are sort of like merging, where young women today are taught to be stronger and not to let anyone mess with them and to stand up for themselves, which in a lot of ways is amazing. Amen. And men are taught that their strength, physically and otherwise, is like a problem to be solved or a, a difficulty that needs to be managed. And part of that is maybe good too, but neither one of these visions in the world that we're living in now either gets at true biblical goodness and kindness. So modern masculinity can cultivate kindness in utilizing strength to protect and confront the right things. Too often, masculine strength is used for the wrong things. It, it isn't that the masculine strength is the problem, it's that it's been used often for the wrong things. We desperately need more men to stand up in our world to protect their families, to confront bad things that come their way. They just need to do it in a way that is biblical and godly and kind. Do we see it? And in the same way, the fact that young women today are taught, like, stand up for yourselves, awesome. Go do it. Do it. Just don't abandon the softer actions and motives in the quest for a fair and equal world. There's a way for it all to come together right. We don't need to take our cues from the culture. We take our cues from the Bible. So I hope that was kind of the deep end, but I hope maybe that was helpful. It was helpful to me as I was thinking it through. So when I cultivate goodness internally, kindness overflows externally. And when I practice kindness externally, goodness builds internally. This is, uh, I want to teach you something here. So Raleigh, come here. You're in, buddy. Come on. And uh, good job. And I need, I need two more... Um, people. Josiah, come on, you're in, come on. And uh, I need one more person. Um, yeah, Marissa, you're making a face. Okay, good. You're in. You're already on the stage today. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Okay. Okay, come on across, come on across, come on. Good, good. Good, you're in the middle. You're in the middle. Okay, so I want to, yep, good, 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 good. You guys sang beautifully today, by the way. Thank you. So, um, I want us to think real granular and practically about the way that we live in terms of the kindness and goodness that overflows from us and is building inside of us. So I'm starting over here. Um, Raleigh, you uh, are going to be a stand-in for a service worker, okay? So we all encounter many service workers every day at the coffee shop, at the dry cleaners, uh, uh, people that you call on the phone, you know when you call on the phone to try to like fix a problem with your bank and like 
three hours later, you're like trying to remember like your great grandmother's anniversary date to type it in, and then you like you finally get to somebody, and then like, do you ever had the thing where you like wait and wait and wait, and then like right when you finally get to the person, it just clicks off, and you're like, well, there's no way that was like an accident, and there's, but we all encounter all kinds of at the grocery store, we all encounter service workers all the time, every day, different places, whatever, and. Uh, the way that we practice kindness towards them greatly affects our strength spiritually to get unstuck from the stuff that we're really thinking about. So the Bible talks about this clearly, right? Like, it's easy to be kind to people who you have something to get from. It's like there's that famous episode of Friends, if you ever watched that show, where like Chandler has this work laugh. He laughs like really obnoxiously at his boss's jokes because he's like trying to like fit in. And, well, of course. Of course, everybody finds their boss funny. The guy's signing the checks, of course, right? But it's a whole different thing when you get around someone like my friend Raleigh is standing and exemplifying here, someone who has nothing they can do for you and you're paying them some little pittance of money to get the thing that you want. And often in our society, these people are treated very poorly because they are seen as being someone who like, ah, well, I don't know. If we're being honest, it's not that we think about it and then treat them poorly. It's that we see them like, you go to the grocery store, and it's almost like if there's a person standing there or using, like, one of those little machines to just automatically check out, it's, there's no difference. It's just all the same. And we fail to see that every person who we encounter on a daily basis is created in the image of God, is loved by God the same way that we are. And the Bible doesn't, like, say just because you have an impressive job and this person is wearing an apron that you're any better than them. In fact, they may have more in the kingdom of God than you have. And so when I practice kindness to this person, however they find their way into my life, it's building goodness inside of me that's going to overflow to every other part of my life. Do you see? Now, second, um, Marissa, we're going to use you. Now, you're a little uh, old for this, but uh, there's a lot of young people that we encounter. Depending on where your life is, you may encounter them. Most adults find young people to be an inconvenience. They're like getting in the way. They're making noise. I don't know if you have it like on your block, they're like outside making noise when you wish everybody was going to bed. They're posting crazy opinions about politics and the world on the internet. I don't understand why are, they, why are their pants so baggy? Why is their music so confusing? They're whatever. Like most people get to a certain age and we find young people confusing and a bit irritating. And we can think that they're just something to kind of like brush or push out of the way or kind of not pay attention to anymore. When again, again, so we're trying to just put some flesh on this. A young person, in the early service, it was like a 12-year-old who was sitting over here and he wouldn't stop talking, like the whole service. So I like pulled him up on the stage just to keep him from distracting me. Uh, <laughs> but that sweet young man is loved by God the same amount as I am and the same amount as you are. And there's no age limit where all of a sudden someone deserves or earns being treated with respect. In fact, Jesus makes it pretty clear, like, I don't know, like, I really care. Whatever you do with the, to the little ones, I'm paying attention to it. Okay, clear. So when I practice kindness externally to young people that are annoying in whatever ways they're annoying, it builds internally with me. Now I come to the last one. This is uh, standing in Josiah, standing in here for someone who's different than me. So uh, I'm a lot old. I'm like almost twice as old as you. Just, um, which I was thinking when I called you up that it, this wouldn't really work for that part. But now that I'm thinking about it. That's like, yeah, I'm, you're young. And, and then there's me. And uh, 
And obviously, like, uh, we're different races, and we have different backgrounds. And we have some things in common, but we have a lot of things, and we've, we know each other pretty well. We have lots of good conversations. Uh, but it is easy to look at people that are different than me as someone who doesn't merit my kindness, especially when I find their opinions to be like really, really, really grating. Do you ever have that experience in the world as you walk around and you're like, I swear to you, I'm looking at an apple and that guy right there is saying it's an orange. And I just, I can't figure out like how do they not see, you know what I'm talking about? You look at the world and the culture, like how do they not see, how do they not, how do they, what's the, why are they so, and we can start to think the people that are different than me are people that don't merit my kindness. The people that are different than me are people that like, it's kind of okay. And that's the way our world really works today, right? Our world, the way that our whole world works today is trying to convince you that there's two teams, you have to choose which one you're on, and everybody on the other team is the worst and we should try to destroy them. That's not the kingdom of God, do you know? Jesus Christ died to break down all those walls that human beings put between us. And so we have an opportunity when we get around people that are different than us to practice kindness and build goodness internally, mainly by not treating people like all they are is the way that we think differently about issues. So like there's plenty of people that vote different than you. And there's plenty of people that like think of June as being one of their favorite months of the year because everybody has pride in being who they really are. And you may be like, that's not what the Bible says. I'm not really into that. And there can be this temptation to think, well, if they think differently than me, then that's like all it is. They're, there's me and there's them and we're different and that's it. And you can become tempted. And I know this is, can be complicated, but I'm trying to teach it to you the best way I know how to teach it. Um, the Bible is really clear in what it teaches about all kinds of things. Most of the stuff going on in the world, the Bible's really clear about. But that doesn't mean that people who disagree or ignore the Bible now all of a sudden fall into a category of people I can just be a jerk to. Doesn't mean that. It also doesn't mean that my job is to get, like, I mean, I could really hurt do some damage with this Bible. It doesn't mean my job is to get the biggest Bible that I can and to smack people around who don't see it right yet to force them to see things the right way. No, remember, what did our verse say earlier? What was the thing that draws? It's God's kindness that draws us. And what is so challenging for you and for me about living in a dark and sinful world is we have to know the truth and cultivate a spirit that can give love and kindness to people who hate the truth. And that's really, really hard to do. It's really hard, because you know what's easy? It's to be like, ah, oh, they're, they're the enemies. All those nasty Packer fans, like, forget about all them. <laughs> the reason why people draw lines and build walls is because it's a lot easier. What's really hard is to say, this person doesn't believe in the God that I believe in. But I love that God so much that I'm gonna stand right here in this relationship that he's put me in, no matter how different we are, and I'm gonna try to be the good news hoping that in some small way my kindness can draw the person towards. Yeah, you're good. Thank you, guys. And so that's... No. I mean, I don't know that they really did much of anything, guys. It was me talking. No. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. So we're at the end now. When I cultivate goodness internally... 
kindness overflows externally. When I practice kindness externally, goodness builds internally. Okay, here's why these things matter. This is where I wanted to end. You can't um, just find kindness at the moment. It has to be built inside of you over time. The Bible says, right, like from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's been built inside of you is what is going to overflow at the moment. It is also true that my actions have a powerful way of leading my feelings over time. This is why I love, we don't really need volunteers for it at the moment, so it's not what I'm saying, but this is why I love the thing that we do with the ice cream truck. It is so fun to go out and give to people, getting nothing from return, and just seeing how confused people are <laughs> by like, I don't get it, like what's the trick? Like, and so what I'm hoping for is this. If you're feeling a little stuck, stuck in whatever sin or whatever pattern or whatever relational thing, maybe you've like been having the same argument with your spouse every night for two weeks and you're like, I, don't know, I, just, gotta, I just can't do this conversation anymore, whatever the thing might be. The way that we get unstuck is by cultivating the fruit of the Spirit inside of us. And the one that we're talking about today is this combination of kindness and goodness. And I'm hoping by faith in Jesus' name that you can find something in what we just made those specific examples where you can cultivate that more inside of you and be patient enough to watch God help you get unstuck. Let's pray together. So Lord, I'm asking um, today by faith that you would use your word We're not wasting our time. We're trying to lean into you, Lord, today. And uh, it's challenging. But we want to get unstuck. We want to get forward. And we're asking that you would help us. Help us, Lord. I pray that anything that was helpful in this message would stick to us and anything that was useless would fall away. Please help us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen and stand to your feet. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is good news.